Hey, Real Talkers, the race is officially on to replace Rachel Notley. Kathleen Ganley, MLA for Calgary Mountain View and former Minister of Justice, is the first to toss her hat in the ring. In this episode, she tells us why it was important to announce first, how she'll fix the NDP's reputation in rural areas, how she'll address Alberta's talent shortage, and what she'd do about the housing crisis. Plus, which industry does she see as having the most potential into the future? Let's go. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. The race is on to succeed a former premier, leader of Alberta's official opposition, leader of Alberta's NDP, Rachel Notley, the first to throw her hat in the ring an MLA a former minister out of Calgary Kathleen Ganley who joins us live in studio on this episode of Real Talk this is presented by a team that knows that they're sending a message to the most engaged political audience in Canada which means you've probably been following the stories around credential fraud over the past while if this is on your radar and if you're concerned about this if you're concerned about the fact that in the healthcare space in the industry space there's people that are basically defrauding others using fake credentials personal support workers remember that long-term care centers of course it's putting everybody's safety at risk luckily there's an innovative technology making credential fraud a thing of the past they're called digital verifiable credentials and they're secure cloud-based credentials that are impossible to forge falsify or alter they're independently verifiable real-time digital credentials that live in a digital wallet they can be shared from anywhere and with we know training they can plug seamlessly into your training courses if you want to learn more about using verifiable credentials in your training or credentialing program check out verifiablecredentials.ca Kathleen Ganley is the MLA for Calgary Mountain View. She's Alberta's former Minister of Justice, and she's the first candidate to enter her name into the race to replace Rachel Notley, joining us live in studio. Thanks for making the trip up. It's nice to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Why was it important to get your name out there first? It was like February 1st, the race opens, and boom, there's Team Ganley. Yeah, well, I think the best possible thing we can do in this race is to make sure that we are engaging with as many Albertas, Albertans as possible, uh, that we are growing the movement, uh, that we're inviting people in. And I think the earlier we start, the more time we have to do that. What's this race all about to you? Yeah, I think it's about 2027. Uh, I think that's what it has to be about. It's about forming the next Alberta NDP government. Uh, and that is what I am running to do. So you, you look at the, the government right now, uh, the United Conservative government, you take a look at the NDP's entry into the most recent provincial election. And, and for some people, all that matters is the end result. You know, they always say nobody remembers, you know, who finished second in the Super Bowl or who, who, who lost in the Stanley Cup final. Not necessarily always the case. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, had your party received 2,000 more votes here and there, it would have formed government itself. So what's that all about uh, to you? How do you process that and how does that influence your leadership run? Uh, yeah, I think we need to look at what happened in 2023, the good and the bad. So uh, in Calgary, for instance, where I'm from, we went from three seats to 14. We took the popular vote for the first time. Those are very, very good things. Um, we didn't quite form government. 
Uh, so I think we need to take a long, hard look at how that happened and why that happened. Uh, going forward, what I'm looking to do, uh, I'm building an incredible team around me. Uh, I think that we have the experience and competence to govern. Uh, but I also think we need to talk a lot more about the economy, specifically in our frame. So talk about how if the economy isn't working for people, it isn't working. What's the evidence to you that the economy is not working for people? Um, so we have a government sort of running around right now with all of the traditional markers, right? GDP growth, that sort of thing, and saying like, everything's great. Um, most people I talk to, they are really worried about paying their mortgage, paying their rent, uh, paying their grocery bill. Um, and they're even if they are managing to pay those bills, they feel like they're not getting ahead. They have nothing to put away for tomorrow. Um, and so, you know, compared to, you know, even a couple decades past, it seems like it's a real struggle uh, for people, you know, trying to start a family, trying to buy a house today. I think everybody sees anecdotal evidence all over the place. <clears throat> for some people in their neck of the woods, it, it, it means that folks are selling their place in Maui or folks are selling their second vehicle or their snowmobiles. And, and for other folks... I mean, I saw anecdotal evidence on my own feeds yesterday. I saw a friend of mine on Facebook appealing to the public uh, looking for a part-time job. She says with the rise in all these prices, she's caregiving for her mother. She says, it's impossible. I need some help here. You know, I see other people just putting out there. One, one was trying to wrap her mind around her power bill. Said it was like $340 a couple of months ago. Says it's like 680 now. She says, I'm not doing anything different. What the hell? I mean, so you, you see the evidence around there. The question that people probably have for politicians is, well, what can you do about it? It's not like you control inflation. It's not necessarily like you control utility prices, though I suppose someone that would potentially be the premier might have something to say about it. Uh, yeah. So in Alberta, for instance, just one example, um, a lot of the prices in the electricity market right now are being driven by something called economic withholding, which is essentially, um, you know, power companies kind of bid into the market how much they're going to sell their power for. And they sort of, uh, shall we say, inflate the bid uh, in the hopes of essentially getting more money, even if it means that there's less power on the grid. Um, this is perfectly legal within our system. Uh in our energy only market, it is possible to do something about it. Texas, for instance, has some controls around this sort of thing. So there are steps that the government can take. What did you learn or, or, or maybe how is your leadership platform influenced by that cold snap a few weeks back when Alberta's grid, grid was under threat and when, when people were being asked to limit their power usage? And I think it was a wake up call for the average civilian that probably doesn't pay attention you know, all the time to the way uh, that our power is delivered to our homes. Uh, but they expect, I think, something to be done about it once everybody realized how precarious of a situation that was. Yeah, so there were a lot of factors that went into that. It was pretty complicated um, because our sort of the price we buy at caps out at $999. BC was selling down to Washington, who was also needing power. So there were a lot of factors that went into that. Um, but what I really think that one of the things it demonstrates is that, um, for instance, the UCP introduced in 2021 originally uh, a bill to allow storage to participate in the grid. Um, they still haven't gotten the rules done that are necessary to support that to allow that participation. So right now we only have storage as what we call ancillary services so that it's there for like an emergency emergency. And I wouldn't be surprised to discover that it deployed in this instance, but um, 
it's not participating in the larger grid. So there are things that can be done to help manage our grid. We could set up more intraties. Um, there are ways to do it and decarbonize. So there's that, you know, utility prices, um, obviously insurance costs are up for a lot of Albertans. Is is that a something that you're paying close attention to? Is that is, uh, is sort of a key part of your platform insurance rates? If, if you talk to most people about where their costs are going up, aside from the majority that'll say everywhere, a lot of people are talking about their insurance rates. Yeah, no, that's definitely something uh, we are looking very closely at and we'll likely have more to say about in the coming days. Uh, insurance is one of the things we hear about most frequently, uh, particularly in um, Northeast Calgary, because they've had that hailstorm. I was just hosting the uh, TIA conference, tourism industry uh, folks, and uh, had a chance to moderate two fireside chats, had a UCP minister in the house, had a few of your colleagues in the house for fireside chats. And, and I know that one of your colleagues, housing critic Janice Irwin, is musing about imposing, you know, the idea of imposing a cap on rental rates in the province. Obviously, housing costs are out of control. Uh, the critics of an approach like that might be concerned around market interference. Uh, how would you manage things like rising rental rates and bigger picture Alberta's housing crisis? Yeah, I mean, going forward, it's pretty complicated. Uh, I do think it's important to look back at the genesis of the problem, right? So um, we had that, I mean, years ago, that CMHC program from the federal government ended. Uh, when the UCP came in, they cut virtually all funding to affordable housing. Um, the result is we have way less affordable housing, and that sort of pushes people up into the market, and that inflates market rents. That's part of the problem. Uh, part of it, too, is that we are seeing... Uh, population growth, and we're not sort of building to keep up with that. Um, part of that has to do with municipal issues around uh, zoning, around where you can build things, around um, sort of uh, revitalizing inner city neighborhoods. We're talking to Kathleen Ganley. If you're just joining us on the Mixler live streaming audio app presented by California Closets, she's the uh, MLA out of Calgary Mountain View, a candidate for the leadership of the Alberta NDP. Do you buy into the forecast, the prediction that uh, Alberta will hit 10 million citizens by 2050? Can, can you get on board with that? Uh, that's blowing my mind. I, I don't know if I can see it happening, but the experts say it's going to. Wow. Um <laughs> I never like to jump too hard on any sort of modeling, but uh, that sounds pretty amazing. That like sounds it, pretty amazing. But we, we're going to have to prepare for that. Well, it's right? more than doubling. Yeah. It's more than doubling the population in 26 years. And so how do you prepare for that? I mean, number one, obviously, housing. Like, duh. Uh, jobs, uh, pretty important. So, so how would a, a premier prepare for that kind of population growth? Yeah, so I think uh, from a provincial government standpoint, uh, housing is definitely a thing we need to be looking at, um, economic development, but also things like um, education and uh, post-secondary education in specific to make sure we're sort of providing the necessary skills to people to build the businesses to enter the market, um, but also our healthcare system, right? Right now, we're looking at 60% of doctors potentially leaving Alberta. We're already under significant strain. There's a lot of Albertans that can't find a family doctor. Um, you know, in certain parts of the province, you have to drive hundreds of kilometers to even have a baby, which um, as someone who's been in labor, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to start thinking about how we build to the future and how we're future ready. Things like schools and hospitals, they take a long time to build. So, yeah, I mean, healthcare. Uh, this is going to be for, for a lot of people that are that are either going to already hold an NDP membership or going to buy one to vote in this. It's going to be their top priority. For most people, it's top three. Uh, how would Kathleen Ganley, quote unquote, fix or heal health care? 
Um, well, I think the first step is to start with respect. Uh, I talk to a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors in my writing um, who feel like the system isn't very respectful to them. Um, now, that's not a fulsome answer, but it's certainly part of the puzzle. Um, I think as well, it's about... Um, you know, with family medicine, for instance, it's about changing um, some of the ways that billing is done. And you can see this in other provinces, right? Uh, doctors used to come to Alberta because it was better here. Um, ultimately, what most of these folks want is to be able to provide care to their patients. So when nurses burn out, it's often because um, they don't feel like they are providing the adequate care because they're on a unit where, you know, there's half as many nurses as there should be. Um, so I think a lot of it is about investment and recognizing that that investment is critical to our future. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know if most people know, I try to you know, lay all my cards on the table. I'm the son of a family physician, so I'm biased. Everybody's biased, but my bias is, you know, I have a great deal of appreciation for those that practice medicine and the families that support them. Um, I also recognize that healthcare is the single largest expenditure by a mile uh, by the provincial government, basically by any provincial or territorial government in Canada. And so when you come in here and it's going to be good news and, and it's easy to make promises, people will say, that's great. Ganley's going to build hospitals everywhere, hire a bunch of nurses and respect the doctors. But, but at the end of the day, you're talking about spending more than Alberta's already spending. Uh, is that a promise to find efficiencies to keep the budget in line? Or are you saying we're going to have to spend a little bit more on this? I think the healthcare system is pretty complex. I think it's likely that with respect to family medicine, at least we are going to have to spend a little bit more on this. But uh, there's a lot of evidence that investing more in family medicine, making sure that people get care at the front end, will actually save you money in acute care. Now, maybe what it's saving you is just a growth in the budget because the population is growing, but that is still a savings, right? Because those are still people that live in Alberta and they do still require care. Do you think that Alberta has a reputation problem right now? Like, Do, do you think that there are people in Canada or potential international uh, new Albertans uh, that are looking uh, at certain things in the news and going, eh, I'm not quite sure. I do think that that's the case. I talk to a lot of folks who say um, their kids who are, say, coming up to university, they're worried that they're not going to stay here because they don't see a future here because we have a government that's focused so heavily on the past. Um, I think with respect to physicians, like, physicians are pretty high information people generally. I think um, a lot of people that left um, under the Kenny government did so because it wasn't just that they were trying to cut disproportionately in family medicine. They also went out there and sort of accused them of kind of gaming the system, right? Which is unfair. And I think a lot of people cared about their reputation and they felt, um, they felt sort of talked down to by the government mm -hmm. we're talking to kathleen ganley don't go anywhere we're going to pay a couple bills we'll be back in 90 seconds uh, we're talking about post-secondary education for a lot of albertans and quite frankly for people across the country athabasca university is the choice that makes most sense for them it's canada's open university that means it has world-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you the experience at au different from other universities 
by design. That means more accessible, more flexible, more equitable, and more personalized for everybody. So many different faculties to explore, including that faculty of health. Build your career. Go further with their credentials in your chosen healthcare field. AU offers programs in counseling, nursing, health administration. Heck, they've got a great MBA program. You can learn more about the application process by visiting AthabascaU.ca. All this talk about families and how much we're all spending on groceries. Friesen Brothers knows that. And that's why we want to put a couple of things on your radar. Number one, 15% off all grocery purchases of $75 or more. The first of every single month. And Friesen Brothers has a vegan feast coming up. It's the 10th and 11th of this month of February at their South Edmonton. That's the Rabbit Hill location from 4 to 8 p.m. And all you can eat vegan buffet, including that vegan lasagna, vegan shepherd's pie. Is that the Johnny Infamous endorsed vegan dish? I'm going to be shoving that into a backpack and taking it to go (laughs) home after I eat three servings. All you can eat, all you can pack and take away. But maybe unofficially. Just tell them that you heard that on Real Talk. It's $20 per person. That's it. For the all-you-can-eat buffet vegan menu, check out Friesen.com slash vegan for more details. And if you're one of those skilled Canadians, uh, particularly in the engineering field, but you're looking for work right now, or maybe you have a job, but you're sick and tired of that lousy place where they don't appreciate you, take two seconds to check out apexautomation.ca. They're based out of Edmonton, but this company's growing across BC, Saskatchewan. They just opened a field office in Texas. We're working on pipelines, natural gas processing, upstream oil extraction facilities, chemical manufacturing, potash mining, robotics, material handling, you name it, they're automating it, and they need Canada's most talented technicians and engineers to do it. Check out the careers link today at apexautomation.ca. Kathleen Ganley wants to be Alberta's next premier. That starts with becoming leader of the official opposition as Rachel Notley has stepped aside to trigger a leadership race. It kicked off on February 5th. She was the first to announce her candidacy. You talk about Daniel Smith's United Conservative Government, but you didn't use the word obsessed. I don't remember the word you said, but fixated, something like that on the past. Uh, What do you mean in particular and how would you be more forward looking? Um, Yeah, so I think that this is a government that has spent a lot of time trying to take us back into the past. Um, The truth is that decarbonization is an incredible economic opportunity. If you look to the the U.S. just south of us, uh, they're doing a great job of this. Um, And so I think, you know, that focus on let's fight this and let's not try to make change and let's yell at the federal government, uh, that's not serving us, right? Um, yes, we do need to talk to the federal government about how reasonable uh, the steps they're taking are and whether they're using the best possible methods. But uh, there are ways to do this, and we do it best by looking to the future and not to the past. Does the NDP have a hard time gaining credibility w- with traditional energy workers in the province? Um I think that has been a challenge for us. Uh, I do think that as we talk to more and more people, um, that does get better. Um, I think at the end of the day, like what we want is to build an economy that's sustainable to the future, to ensure that everyone has those good paying jobs that get them, um, that they can have for the long term, right? So that they're not sort of in this state of uncertainty. Uh, And I think 
as we talk to more people about that, that message gets out there. There's a ton of good stories uh, in Alberta, in industry, outside of oil and gas. Obviously, we hear uh, amazing stories in tech and research and healthcare innovation, uh, AI, machine learning. Um, <laughs> this is your political advisors would say, don't ever talk about a favorite or don't ever single out. But, but what's one industry or what's one field that you look at? I mean, I should obviously tip my cap to agriculture as well. It's been huge in Alberta for decades. Uh, what's one industry where you look at and you go, there's so much potential there, but we got to do something different to maximize the potential. Um, yeah, actually, if I were to pick one right now, and I was the energy critic until very recently, uh, it's probably decarbonization. So carbon capture, for instance, methane reduction, there is so much opportunity to uh, to do that, but what we need to provide is certainty, right? It's not even necessarily a complaint about what the rules currently are. Um, it's a complaint about there not being enough rules. Like for instance, we're finally seeing um, investments in carbon capture roll out, but they come with regulations that require an efficiency that it isn't quite hitting yet, right? So that's that doesn't create certainty. That doesn't make people want to invest. Um, I think as well, carbon contracts for difference, um, because rather than taking a universal approach, they're taking a one-off contract negotiation approach, and this is the federal government now, um, that doesn't create the necessary certainty to get the investment rolling quickly. Just so I'm clear, are you, you're talking about relaxing restrictions on emissions or on, on technology to, to, to draw in more investment? I, I know a lot of people that would be excited to hear that. I know a lot of other people that would light their hair on fire. Um, I wouldn't even say relaxing just potentially changing, right? So um, there are different ways usually to achieve the same outcomes. And we need to think about not, um, not just the outcomes we're trying to achieve, but what the path is to those outcomes. And by thinking about that, uh, we can sometimes get to the same outcomes by a different route uh, that is it's more clear for investors to see the end going. I was talking to Shauna Feth the other day, president and CEO of Alberta Chambers of Commerce. She was telling us that they, you know, they're always polling, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of their members and uh, they're telling them, the members, the entrepreneurs and, the, you know, the small, medium and large business owners and operators in Alberta, 80% of them say that they've encountered a talent shortage in the last two years. 80% say that that is holding back their business. What can a premier do about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of things that a premier can do about that. One of them is ensuring that we are investing in post-secondary and that we're having those conversations with post-secondary about what the skill shortages are so that we can train the appropriate people. But I also think there's a way to sort of talent match um, folks coming in from other countries. So people have skills, but their credentials aren't necessarily recognized here. Uh, they come into the country and if we can give them a clear path to get those talents recognized here in Alberta. Uh, it's much shorter, they know what the game is, and so they will invest in doing that for themselves. And then you know, they get a job in their field and we get someone who's doing work that we really desperately need done here in Alberta. Uh, you know, pretty interesting to see the, the the growth of your party from, you know, let's say the, the 2010 to 2014 era uh, with, you know, a lot of hardworking, you know, not a lot, actually, four hardworking MLAs, but a party that, like, generally speaking, and I mean no offense, 
wasn't taken too seriously. And then from four to 54 to form government, a disappointing result, obviously kind of hammered by Jason Kenney in 2019, but but right back in the mix in this last election, 30, 34 MLAs, something like that. 38. 38. So there you go. Right. 38 MLAs, like you say, 14 of them in Calgary. You know, people used to say about the NDP, well, they only win in Edmonton. You know, they can't win in Calgary. You, you go to 14 MLAs in Calgary. Now they'll say, yeah, but they can't really win in the rural areas. So how do you approach rural outreach? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we have done an enormous amount of growth. I think that re- what Rachel Notley has done for this province um, is to make it possible to see a progressive future. Um, and so that is really, really good. I think in Calgary, we took the popular vote. We do still need to get out and talk to folks in rural Alberta. But I think at the end of the day, their values are our values. They care about their children being able to get an education and being able to get ahead based on their own effort and their own talents. They care about their loved ones having medical care when they need it. Um, And I think what we need to do is get out and communicate to those people um, about how our values are their values. I think a lot of this is about people sort of um, in Alberta, I grew up here too, so I'm familiar with this, uh, kind of instinctively identify as conservative, right? Um, But if you can talk to them about why, you know, our plan on the economy, uh, things like petrochemical diversification, things like uh, targeted tax credits for tech actually grow the economy better, they do change their minds. Uh, probably one of the top political stories in the country. No, definitely one of the top political stories in the country right now. The top political story probably in Alberta uh, is Daniel Smith's new policy on uh, trans students and sex ed and women participating in sport and surgical bans. And we've been spending a lot of time talking about it on this show. Um, obviously, there's outcry from a lot of groups. Um, a lot of people are talking about this as a matter of life and death. Uh, there's unofficial unscientific polling like my stupid Twitter poll. And then there's more official, more scientific polling like from Angus Reid that shows that actually a majority of Canadians and majority of Albertans are okay with things like parental notification. The surveys are a little more focused than the policy, which is a little more broad. But how do you balance all of that? How would you approach it? What's your message to families and individuals that are directly impacted by this? Yeah, so what Smith is doing is a direct impact on kids. It is a direct attack on kids. Um, It's incredibly problematic. Uh, I do think, however, that there are a lot of parents out there who have real and legitimate questions, um, and they should be being approached with real and legitimate information. Instead, what they're being approached by is a government who is literally happy to make things up. Um, you know, they're they're uh, saying that they're going to bring in rules as though those rules weren't already the case, as though parents weren't already notified when their children were learning sex education. Um, you know, they they say that they're going to change when a child can have surgery, but there's no instance of a child having a bottom surgery under the age of 18 in Alberta. Um, So they're essentially trying to inflame uh, parents' very real fears uh, about their children and their children's future for their own political benefit. I think it's incredibly disgusting. Uh, And they're doing it to attack Uh, a group of youth who are already at higher risk of suicide. Um, So I think, yeah, the problem is problematic. 
um, the misinformation is incredibly problematic. Um, I think we have to get through it by talking and by talking, you know, in real terms, by talking about how um, it's already the case that a parent would be notified if their child is learning about sex education. Mm. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, this is the most obvious thing I'm going to say uh, all day. But R- Rachel Notley has been the face of this party for, for you know, almost a decade and a half. Um, you could make a very compelling argument that the Notley brand is stronger than the Alberta NDP brand. Uh, so this is a big opportunity for the next leader, but it's also huge shoes to fill. Uh, right. She's, you know, regardless of her politics, she's a very likable person. You talk to people. uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people that have said, if only she could have been PC leader, she would have been premier for 25 years. You know, like that's kind of how a lot of people see Rachel Notley. So so tell us a little bit about yourself. You you and her actually have kind of interesting similarities in your backgrounds. Both of you practicing labor lawyers before you went into politics. As an example, what's Kathleen Ganley all about outside of, you know, off the legislature grounds? Uh, Yeah, so I grew up in Calgary. Uh, I went to the University of Calgary for three separate degrees, psychology, philosophy, and law. Um, I actually said in my launch speech that I drove my mom's car around and danced at the warehouse to Depeche Mode. So uh, yeah, a little bit of a geek, I will definitely say. Uh, I like the Star Trek. Um, Yeah, um, I'm a mom. I have a six-year-old daughter. Uh, Part of why I'm doing this is because I can see the huge dreams that she has in her eyes and I want to build her the opportunity to fulfill those dreams right here at home. Hmm. How important do you think it is uh, uh, like for you um, as a mom, as a parent, uh, you, like you talked about, and for me, every time I'm reading about policy, every time I'm reading about a story in the news, of course, I'm applying it to my own family. Um, how, how important is it to you that your daughter sees uh, strong women in her life in positions of leadership? It's incredibly important. I want her to grow up knowing that she can do whatever she wants and be whatever she wants. Uh, She is already uh, pretty brilliant. Uh, And so, you know, I want her to have every opportunity and I want every young woman, um, every person in this province to have those opportunities. Uh, As we wrap, and I appreciate your time, I know that a lot of people want to talk to you today. Uh, You know, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, Still, we will hear from critics that there's something I didn't ask you about, and I'm sure there's 50 things I didn't ask you about. Uh, What's one important priority? What's one message that you would have to Albertans that we've not yet covered? Um, well, for me right now, the most important priority is talking to Albertans about how we make the economy work for people. Um, and I think the team that I'm building, uh, I'm incredibly proud of the colleagues that stood around me. Uh, my colleagues, you know, I've had a number of colleagues stand up. Uh, my campaign co-chairs are Irfan Sabir and Shannon Phillips. So, um, I think as we go forward, we need to build a team and build a movement uh, and build something together. And I would invite Albertans to come forward and to share their ideas and their visions and their dreams with us. All right. I'm going to sneak in one last question here because I I just popped over into our YouTube live chat. And I think it's Alberta Ginger uh, that has this question that says, you know, if we could please uh, find a second to ask Kathleen if she would consider establishing crown corporations uh, for auto insurance or energy. Was that something that would be on your radar? Uh, that's certainly something that I think uh, we might have to look at in the future, um, just because the costs of insurance are just ballooning out of control for folks, right? And we need to look at every possible method to get those under control. Yeah, seems to be working in BC, uh, seems to be working in Saskatchewan. 
I guess those that would call for it would wonder why not Alberta as well. Uh, Kathleen Ganley uh, is the MLA out of Calgary Mountain View. She's the first to toss her hat in the ring. She wants to be the leader of the official opposition and ultimately the premier of Alberta. Thanks for making time for us and, and visiting the Real Talk studio. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. You got it. You can check out teamganley.ca for more on Kathleen's campaign. Every Wednesday, courtesy of our friends at Tourism Jasper, we have a chance to head out to the mountains. Uh, and, and we want to remind you in this episode of My Jasper Memories that Valentine's Day is a perfect time to get out there and go explore Jasper. So we wanted to give you some fabulous ideas, make you look like a genius to your special someone. And that starts with skating. There's nothing like skating, right? Gliding hand in mittened hand with your sweetheart in one of Jasper's many glacier-fed lakes, uh, which arguably become even more magical when they're frozen. If you lace up at Lake Mildred, not only will you have a groomed oval with mountains in the background, you'll also enjoy the convenience of renting skates from the nearby winter rental shop on the grounds of the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. So you don't even have to have your own wheels of course, skiing is also an obvious go-to when you're out there. One of Canada's, nay, one of North America's most spectacular ski resorts, Marmot Basin. Nothing can make your heart pound quite like a new love, but Marmot's Resort will sure give them a run for their money. Located just 20 minutes outside the Jasper Town site, the beloved local Powder Haven has a balanced variety of difficulty levels, minimal lift lines. You're literally never waiting. So you and your sweetie can shred the slopes and then curl up to the fireplace in the mid-mountain chalet don't forget they have that brand new knob quad chair as well which is taking you right up to the peak and then like that beautiful photo that johnny's showing us thanks for pulling that one pal look at that that's i can hear that photo i can hear the fireplace crackling it sure is isn't it i'm hoping my wife doesn't see this because i'm just going to steal all these ideas for our (laughs) but speaking of curling up yeah i hope so (laughs) our thanks to tourism jasper for making us all look good um jasper's fireplaces uh i mean this is the cabin capital of canada which means that you're going to find fireplaces all over the place plus in public spots they keep them burning through the winter for a fun and inventive twist on uh, maybe a much less romantic bar crawl what about hopping between a few fireplaces over the course of a few days a I fireplace crawl the crackle I like that idea that's yeah. not bad at all and then there's the couple's massage you're never gonna go wrong with a couple's massage You can relax, replenish, restore the body and soul at one of three Valentine's wellness packages at the Fairmont Spa at the JPL. The treatments are locally inspired. They will leave you feeling connected to your surroundings and uh, connected to your partner, if you know what I mean. What do you mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) And then there's the helicopter tours as well. If you want your love life to soar, I can't help myself, John, fly high above the largest national park in the Canadian Rockies, be rendered speechless by the glaciers, valleys, waterfalls below. Uh, You can launch skyward. There's an amazing company out there called Jasper Hinton Air. Uh, You can find them on jasper.travel. We're going to link to these in the show notes. Uh, But they can fly you over glaciers and valleys and and waterfalls. Your heart will soar as you share these once-in-a-lifetime views with your once-in-a-lifetime love. You can go to jasper.travel to start planning your romantic getaway. My Jasper Memories is presented every Wednesday right here on Real Talk by our friends at Tourism Jasper. 
helicopter tour. So cool, man. That is a next level V date. Well, and you don't, uh, I have, uh, not to get like too into the weeds or too off the rails on the chat, but I've just discovered a setting, um, and I know you're going to laugh at me and make fun of me, real talkers as well, because I'm always learning about things about 10 years after that technology has actually been introduced. <laughs> but, but for iPhone users, did you know that, that for your background, you can, you can find a setting? So look at this. If you're watching this on YouTube, actually, the timing of this is amazing sure, yeah. because this oh. is, I, I didn't know that this was the one that was going to come up, but it came up. Look at that. So this is a view. I'm showing you a view right now that I snapped from my phone while we were in a chopper. Wow. On our, on, yeah, on our way up uh, to, to a hike, a beautiful backcountry hike that you got to fly into the trailhead. But, but the so you've point done it. Being I've done it. Um, but the point is, so this, this iPhone setting, you can have it set to randomly give you outdoors shots. Like I don't know the AI or whatever. It knows outdoors shots on your phone. Okay. And so for someone like me that has like, you know, 15,000 photos on their phone and is completely disorganized, mm-hmm. almost every time, I think it changes every few hours. Almost every time I look down at my phone, there's a new landscape shot. There's like a new outdoor exploration shot Amazing. that's there to greet me. And right now, look at the timing of that. It is the shot snapped from a chopper on our way flying into the backcountry to do one of the most marvelous hikes that you'll ever find. Incredible. So the, the, the chopper thing is a whole new experience. You know what's funny, and I'll mention it, I'm seeing ads on my Instagram for AI apps that go to your keyboard on your phone, and it's like, write your uh, your significant other the most incredibly romantic poem or love letter. Grab AI Generator now for your iPhone. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to be Writing some nice poetry or loving uh, tender thoughts via AI this year. Life's getting so easy for us, right? Oh my gosh! Uh, I wanted to jump into the yeah. The thing about AI, I mean, you know, people people there there have always been the folks that just buy the Valentine's Day cards that are written by yeah. somebody else anyway. So Which is pretty. I much guess the what's same the difference thing. here? The difference being that you are presenting this as your own work. Yeah. But if your love is real, uh, and if they truly know you, they will know it's bullshit. They will know. <laughs> That you didn't write that. Yeah, even if you, because you can in, you can ingest all the things about them into it and make it personal. But if you're not already, you know, Mark Twain, they're gonna know you didn't write it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I see Chris uh, on our in our live chat. Chris, appreciate you being here. He says, um, and I just jumped into this. He says politicians love to talk. They just don't listen or answer any tough questions. You won't hear any tough questions on Real Talk. Only scripted softball ones. Um, which is kind of like an interesting observation, Chris. Uh, I appreciate you being here and listening to the interview. Hey, I, don't, I don't know if well, first of all, scripted. I mean, not really. If you know my interview style, I'm all over the fucking map. Um, and, and and second of all, and second of all, uh, softballs. I mean, softballs like asking you know politicians how they're going to handle the housing crisis or what their message is to oil and gas workers that don't consider them to be friends or how they're going to reach out in rural areas where they've had a really tough time winning. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's softballs. I mean, you want me to you know bring on candidates here for leadership and, and call them names and stupid and libtards or whatever. You know, that's not going to happen. But but if you have a question. Um, Chris, I don't know if you heard our show yesterday, but reached out to folks and said, if you have questions for these leadership candidates, we'd love for you to submit them, send them in. Uh, and we'll be announcing when we have leadership candidates coming up on the show. So you have advance notice. Uh, you can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. If you have a focused and direct question and it's a fair question, chances are we're going to ask it. We can't tell you who's on the show tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you, but I will tell you that it is another exclusive. We're going to be the first to talk to uh, another candidate 
to replace Rachel Notley. I wonder if they even take issue with that word replace. I mean, that is what they're doing. But, it, you know, we we, uh, we put out an yeah. episode a while ago. It had some great traction on the podcast. It was called The Race to Replace Rachel Notley. Yeah. Uh, and, and we heard from a few people. They don't they, they, they didn't like they're, the they're twitching over it. They don't they don't like it because, you know, one of the one of the interesting things about Notley. And, and if you can't stand Rachel Notley, you can't stand her. And, you know, whatever that like any politician, there's a fair amount of people that can't stand her. But if you love Rachel Notley, you like love her and she's not going out like a lot of politicians do right like a lot of politicians go out because they're they're they're, there's just been an agm or something's happened within their party and their internal polling like their approval numbers from party members are in the tank like you know 50 ish percent or 60 ish percent or even 70 ish percent you know you you look at what politicians approval rating needs to be if if they're in a leadership position from their party members it's got to be in the high 80s or the 90s uh and, and rachel Notley has never suffered approval problems with members of the alberta ndp this is her leaving on her own volition uh, she lost the most recent election uh, maybe by a hair but still she lost uh, and figures that it's time, you know, based on her own factors. And of course, we'll be sitting down with her uh, when the time is right, when she's basically vacating office. Um, she'll probably explain to us how she knew that the time was right. But she's not leaving because uh, she's doing a super lousy job or she's not leaving because uh, NDP members don't want her there anymore. And so replacing her or, or, or having a new uh, candidate, a new MLA or outsider, mm-hmm. Ned Nenshi, somebody <laughs> pop in and, 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 and take that spot. They've got big shoes to fill. And yeah. I saw a note, I think it was Erica in our live chat. Um, you know, she says Kathleen's very well spoken, uh, seems to have a great handle on the issues. She says, but in politics today, you need uh, some sizzle yeah. and some charisma. So Erica implying maybe she doesn't see that from from Kathleen Ganley. I, I do agree. I mean, leaders come in, in different packages. Leaders come with different personalities. But sizzle and charisma is going to be uh, important for somebody that's going to go toe to toe with someone like Danielle Smith. Sure. And it's not for nothing that you said that. Like I, I don't think anyone wants her to leave, but they just need a boost of energy. They need, they need. You're a talking kick, about right? Rachel, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Like I don't, I don't think anyone really wants her to leave. She's been the face of the party. She got it so far ahead in her tenure, but uh, yeah, you just you, you need a change, right? She, she, she's been the premier. She's uh, gone up against Daniel Smith, and they they need someone else to do it. And uh, it's it's really exciting right now seeing all the people come out. And this week we'll be telling you about more. Yeah, who are coming out uh, to to get in this leadership race? But Kathleen, very well spoken today. I didn't I didn't think they were softballs. I think uh, no, nah, I, I mean it was good. And and, it, and it's like it's it's fine. I don't I don't mind the criticism. I just you like, love it actually. Well, here's my thing: is is uh, <laughs> criticize them. Follow follow up questions are important. You know, as I was uh, moderating these fireside chats, at the, it's called it's called PIA. It's the Tourism Industry Association of mm. Alberta, and so they hold an annual uh, summit, uh, typically in Edmonton, and and it brings together like 600, 700 stakeholders in the tourism space. So you've got like mm. mayors and counselors there. You've got the, the uh, you know, the, the, the marketing directors from, the, you know, like our friends at Tourism Jasper. They're obviously, they're, they're from all over the place. Talk to people that were there, you know, championing head smashed in Buffalo Jump. And you go, oh yeah, what about that? And then people there from Slave Lake and you go, oh yeah. yeah. And you're recognizing all these crown jewels, right? And, and so my job there is to talk to the politicians and get a sense from the official opposition and then the government. Uh, yesterday I was sitting down with, uh, Minister Joseph Scow uh, out of Cards and Siksika. He's mm. the tourism and sport minister and, and talking to them about what the government's doing and what the government's not doing. 
But I'm talking to the NDP MLAs, uh, including uh, out of Banff, Kananaskis, and uh, tourism critic. And I say, I say to her, uh, you know, with like regulatory things, you know, land use and development, there's there's a lot of opportunity that Alberta might have in tourism. But because of uh, of land use regulatory requirements and roadblocks, they're having a hard time developing this. And so, how are we going to grow tourism? They think that tourism will be a 20, this is the current government, the UCP wants tourism to be a $20 billion industry annually by 2035. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with that comes jobs. Uh, With that comes obviously huge investment into communities, so it's a good thing. But with that also comes commitments on investing in land use, opening up protected lands to people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which is always So the point of the uh, follow-up question, (laughs) so I say to her, I say, what would you do about these regulatory roadblocks? And I said, her like Chris would like it, you know, a fastball high and inside. And she goes, can you elaborate? And I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty to I'm the like, point. Shit. <laughs> well, I'm not a policy wonk. So then I had to go into real talk mode. And I was like, listen, people's understanding is that the NDP is trying to put a bubble over the wilderness. And all you want to do is make sure everything's fine for the deer and the elk. But you don't care about these communities that are. And then we have a good laugh and then she gets into it. But 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 the art of the follow up question is a, is a big one. Yeah. Um, and so that's why, you know, I appreciate when people are here in the live chat. When people are listening to us, uh, you know, whether it's Mixler online or later and participating in that conversation, even using our hashtag on on Twitter, the show gets better uh, when you're seeing things through your lens and letting us know when you're sniffing something out that doesn't seem quite right or that prompts you to think about something else. And of course, these conversations develop over time. I uh, heard from a critic yesterday. I don't know why I'm fixated on the critics, but 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 I, I would rather hear criticism than praise. Sure. It, it just pushes the show to be better. Elevate. Uh, somebody said to me yesterday that, you know, we're, we're not doing a fulsome enough job of of covering this this story about Alberta's new policies on sex ed and trans surgeries and kids and pronouns and women in sport, et cetera. Um, they said, you know, you, you've only talked to these people and these people and these people. But what about these people? I said, yeah, it's been like five days, right? We got a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, we're going to have these conversations. And they happen over, uh, in many circumstances, weeks, months, or even years. And so, you know, our talk about the leadership race, uh, the NDP, Alberta NDP, obviously will evolve. The questions will change to different candidates as things happen in the news. Um, And as we become more enlightened about some of the things that are top priorities uh, to you, uh, our incredible listening audience. So I guess all of this, again, is just a call to action to say, you know, to Chris and everybody else, uh, this is a talk show that it plants itself on purpose uh, in the middle of the road and in the gray areas of life that, that oftentimes will plant flags on issues and take strong positions, uh, but seek to understand and remain curious uh, and, and aim to represent the perspectives of the majority of Albertans who will not agree on everything. And so we invite you to participate, which makes us a little bit different than other talk shows that might tell you to just go fuck your hat. You know what I mean? But that's not the position that we take. It's not. It's got a and visual. It, never, it never has been. Yeah, I've never really known what that's supposed to mean. It is a curious visual, isn't yeah. it? Great show yesterday, too, as well. If people want to check it out, we, we talked basically the whole show uh, with Mel Woods. You can check that out. Yeah, Mel. Uh, uh, that was from, an incredible show. From and Extra Magazine. I mean, uh, we've been talking about this for days. I don't know, you know how much longer you want us to talk about it but we know it's right 
right in everyone's rear view. So, well, I'm we've put out an ask, and I'm hoping it's it's not typically our my practice to 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 go on the record and say who we've asked to come on the show if if they haven't yet responded to us. I don't think that's necessarily fair to them, unless it's like you know the premier or a mayor or the CEO of a company, and it's relevant, right? Like you know, we let you know that you know, for example, when when Imperial Oil uh, had that curl at their curl facility, that that horrific leak of that tailings pond for like ten months, right? And we talked to Chief Allen Adam, and we're talking to you know uh, representatives, uh, you know, at the at the Alberta's Auditor General, etc. Um, that is very relevant when I'm telling you that Imperial Oil continues to deny our request for interviews. That is an example. I just saw an opportunity to take another shot there because I just think it's yeah. bullshit that they won't do interviews. But but I but I digress. Uh, but when it comes to citizens, uh, when it comes to people with interesting perspectives, but, but that have not necessarily volunteered uh, to be dragged into the public eye, uh, we like to keep it private. But I want to let you know that just because you haven't heard certain perspectives on the show doesn't mean we're not negotiating with those people or talking to those people or the invitations we aren't out. We ask everyone. We ask a lot of people uh, to appear on this show, and I think our, our track record suggests that one of, the, as a matter of fact, two or three of those um, were folks that were participating uh, in, a, in a meeting. I don't know if you heard about a meeting that got very very heated uh with minister uh she's the minister what, what is it of, of like um it's something culture and the status of women it's mm-hmm. tanya fur oh, uh, and and uh she met with uh, you know a number of different stakeholders and representatives from from different groups um lgbtq2s plus affiliated groups um but in that room uh you had reportedly about 10 people that we're all kind of there, and, and I don't mean to be glib, and I'm not making fun of it at all, but just to cut to the chase, they're kind of like the Danielle Smith bad group, right? There's about 10 of them that just think that policy, this policy is a horrific sort of initiative, and that, there was, that was them. Uh, and then you have these three over here. Uh, and, and apparently these are three of the individuals, um, uh, trans and uh, a, a, a lesbian in there that was, uh, she was talking, that sounds weird to say it like that, doesn't it? But but that's how she describes herself. She says she did an interview with CTV yesterday. I heard she said, uh, she said, uh, you know, when I was young and, and had questions about my gender identity and, and was a little bit confused, she said, had surgical options been available, available to me under the age of 18, I probably would have taken them. She said, now, when I grew up uh, still as a woman- oh. Then, yeah, then she said that was kind of her pull quote from CTV. She said, "Then I realized, no, I was just a lesbian." Yeah, um, um, and and I don't think she meant it like as a one liner, but it kind of lands pretty strong. No, and she yeah. said, "Had I had a surgery, I would regret it." Now people say, "Well, that's anecdotal, and that's one person's experience," but but a lot of what we hear on issues like this is anecdotal and one person's experience. So uh, one person's experience or perspective is not necessarily any less valid than another, and we want our conversations to have that credibility where we can say the perspectives have been tested uh, by alternative takes on it, by the contrarian view. Um, That doesn't mean we'll litigate everything. I mean, I I wanted to read this email and and it's it was uh, well, whatever. I think the email speaks for itself. Let me get to this. But we heard from Yvonne. Just last week, uh, February 1st she, write, 1st, she writes into us to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And, and you remember when I was talking to uh, Peter McCaffrey uh, from, from uh, the Alberta Institute. And this was back when he was debating uh, you know, a, a gentleman out of, of Montreal, uh, originally from Alberta. 
and uh, you know, should Daniel Smith have appeared on stage, or should mm-hmm. she appear on stage with Tucker Carlson? We were doing this this debate on this show before the event occurred, um, and obviously it resonated with a lot of people. It's our most downloaded episode in the last sixty days. Um, but he asked me, Peter. I think I don't know if he was trying to nail me to the floor or not, but he goes, "Well, let me ask you, Ryan." Mm-hmm. He says, "Let me ask you. Would you interview Tucker Carlson on your show? Would you go on Tucker Carlson's show?" And I sure. went obviously yeah uh and not everybody loved it and the conversation went further and then we started talking about what well, well, where do you draw the line yeah would you interview Pol Pot would you interview chairman you know Mao would you interview Stalin would you interview Hitler yeah and I said I would interview Adolf Hitler I think a lot of people would would, would be very fascinated uh to hear a a, a a an interview a credible uh and serious interview with Arguably the most evil, evil person to ever walk the face of planet Earth. Uh, and Yvonne strongly disagrees. And she wrote in to say, I've been an avid viewer on YouTube of Real Talk, and, and I've admired your dedication to addressing important issues and sparking meaningful conversations. However, she says, I must express my disappointment regarding the hypothetical situation you raised about interviewing Adolf Hitler. Uh, She says, I grasp the notion of real talk and the significance of tackling challenging subjects. However, I'm troubled by the notion of extending a platform, hypothetical or not, to individuals like Hitler. Uh, Would this imply a willingness to interview leaders from regimes like Russia and North Korea, uh, known for oppressive actions and disregard for human rights? Yes. Um, You are someone who frequently advocates for shedding light on crucial issues, and it's disheartening to see the suggestion of sharing your platform with figures who represent ideologies and regimes that have caused immense suffering and harm to countless individuals. Yvonne says, while I appreciate the intention to engage in candid discussion, I believe there are more constructive ways to address these topics without legitimizing or sensationalizing individuals known for their atrocities. She says, I urge you to reconsider the direction of your programming and continue to prioritize conversations that promote understanding, empathy, and positive change in our society. And then she signs off. Mm. Thank you for considering my perspective. So obviously, she's the exact type of audience member that we want. She's a critical thinker. She's very articulate. She loves it. Um, And and then I could obviously like poke fun at this and have Mm -hmm. some fun with it and say, uh, we we tried to reach out to Hitler, but the asshole never emailed us back. But obviously, we're obviously not interviewing hitler no but but if i had a chance to interview putin on the show well, i was just gonna bring or kim jong-un on the show yeah uh the answer would be yes but here's uh, the thing now if i brought let me just say this though but but if i bring them on and start joking about you know how north korea loves the nba and dennis rodman and <laughs> and what's your favorite north korean cuisine and you know and like, really you know jo- joking about so tell us about your missile silos anyway do you guys <laughs> even have you know like, like if i was joking around then then obviously i would I, yeah, i'd probably we'd probably bleed sponsors mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd probably lose the audience, but but I I don't believe that you know I mean when when you talk about legitimizing individuals like Adolf Hitler's pretty mm-hmm. well known this is appearing on Real Talk and again it sounds like such a ludicrous hypothetical we're talking about, but it doesn't you know if, you know let me <laughs> I better not I was going to say let me go to an example of someone we have interviewed and then this person's <laughs> going to reach out and say did you just compare mention, me to, did you just compare me to Adolf Hitler <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But when we have brought polarizing, <laughs> yeah, that was a good. Hey, for people that say I can never stop myself, pull this clip, Johnny. I just did. I would have just pulled down the audio here. But the, but the but the criticism. You're like I stopped the stream 45 seconds ago. Yeah, we're off air. The the criticism is often that you are platforming these individuals or that you are legitimizing these individuals. Appearing on a talk show does not platform or legitimize somebody that already is legitimately 
uh, built their own platform. Mm. Uh, and I don't think that by, and I'm not talking to you directly, Yvonne, and saying this, but I'm saying big picture, generally speaking, by jamming our heads into the sand and pretending like people don't exist, like they're going to go away. You know, should a, mm-hmm. should, a, should a trans person in Alberta that supports Daniel Smith's policy be denied an opportunity to appear on a talk show mm-hmm. to discuss it? If there's a roadblock or a hurdle in front of that person, what does that say about the talk show? Can I even run the talk show by this name anymore if we're not having these conversations sure. with people? I don't think so. And I think maybe we should reach out. I know you alluded to it earlier and you just went back to it. Eva Kuralova, that's what I'm talking about. How how you pronounce it? So she is. uh, She describes herself as Canada's preeminent lesbian, a proud Albertan, and a writer for uh, Gender Descent, as well as I think she started this community, LGB United. You see how she left out the T and the Q. So she has a lot of views about equality that don't really mesh with the rest of the community there because you know a lot of the the trans stuff she's not really down with. Uh, But back to Tucker. You know, and just saying right now before I get to Tucker, like, I know what you said there about the Hitler stuff, having him on the show was risque, but we're obviously kidding around. Hitler would never come on the show. Putin would never come on the show. You know why? Because they don't come on shows where they get hardballs like that. Tucker Carlson is interviewing Putin this month. And Tucker Carlson put up a video on X where he was like, why hasn't anyone interviewed Putin? Why is the left wing media denying Putin his say? Do you not think that Every day since the war in Ukraine began that every media source in North America, Canada and the States has not been reaching out to Putin and his team for an interview. He's not going to talk to it's, those people. It's, it's just a totally he's different landscape. Talk, like there's no like there's no like it's it's not the same as like Daniel Smith's comms team. When we reach out to Daniel Smith, hell, when we reach out to you know Prime Minister Trudeau's comms mm-hmm. team or to the federal or provincial ministers or opposition leaders that we have on the show. Yeah. The comms teams correspond, like it's a relationship. Back There's and a, forth. There, in many circumstances, years-long relationships. That's not the same. I mean, it sounds so, it's almost funny that we're talking about this. That's not the same like dealing with like Russia and North yeah. Korea and, and, and like like horrific regimes. Uh, it's just not the same. It's not the way that it works. Uh, but in the hype, I, I like hypotheticals on this show. Mm-hmm. Should you talk to people with whom you grossly disagree? 100%. Yes. Did you see the response? From the founder of Take Back Alberta yesterday. His name was invoked on this show. I encourage you to check out the highlight on our YouTube channel. I'm talking about is. how David Parker influenced Daniel Smith's trans policies. You can see it in five minutes or less. Just check out our YouTube homepage. Parker says, I know that Jespo mentioned. He didn't call me Jespo. This is on X. This is on X. I know that Jesperson, this is uh, tweeted just about an hour ago. Jesperson mentioned me in his podcast just to make me feel good, but it worked. I'm ashamed to say that I am flattered. Oh, so there gosh. you go, David David Parker listening to Real Talk. But my point was that people like that, like Putin is doing an interview with Tucker Carlson because he's going to get those softballs because he know knows Tucker's talked about him in a good light. Tucker agrees with some of Russia's stances. And, and he's going to get easy questions. He would never sit down with someone from CNN. He would never sit down with some. Well, he did sit down with someone from NBC News just before the war in Ukraine. I believe it was back in 2021, late 2021. But he's not going to talk to any of them now because they're going to they're going to give him the hard stuff. And he doesn't want that. So, I mean, it's the same with people we asked to come on this show. And the only props, this is the only props I'll ever give David Parker probably, is that he accepted it and he came on. But a lot of people with the same views and opinions as David do not want to come on the show because they know they're going to get taken, you know, 
yeah. to task. Is uh, By the way, Idris, in our live chat, I don't know what you did, Johnny, but he says something about you've been muted or something. You're muting people while you're talking. Way to go, buddy. Johnny, moderating our live chat as best I you can. I haven't muted a uh, single person Okay, today. Idris calls you a god among men. Uh, so there you go. I wanted, to make <laughs> I, sure that, I wanted to make sure that you heard that comment. Um, hey, listen, that's a good example of, uh, of even, uh, you know, uh, like, this show and the job, the difficult job that you have. And, and sometimes we like to take people behind the scenes. Uh, we do this uh, for our uh, Real Talk patrons. If, if you want to support us, about seven bucks a month, uh, you know, become a Real Talk patron. You get special insider deals and benefits and you can get invited to our fancy election parties and things like that. But also it's just a way for people to support the show. So one of the things that we do is this annual Real Talk holiday Zoom party for our patrons. It's super fun. It's always our last show. It's a private show on Zoom. Uh, the last show of every calendar year, typically or at least before we break for the holidays. And uh, in that, uh, one of, I think it was Noob Try Again, one of our patrons had asked for like a behind-the-scenes look at Johnny's technical setup. And you took him through it. And you were like, it was, we were nerding out big time. You were telling about the audio board and the computers and the sure. switchers and everything we use. And people love that behind-the-scenes view. Here's a behind-the-scenes view on the editorial side mm -hmm. uh, because I think you deserve to be recognized for this. One of the th things that's important to us, while, while you're doing all your other duties of producing the show and switching the cameras and keeping the audio levels great and everything else, you're also keeping an eye on the live chat. And it's hard. Um, and moderating it. But you and I have fulsome conversations. We, have, we, we often talk about what our editorial principles are and what the, what the, what the rules of engagement are in the live chat. And while we kind of have a hard stop on things, obvious things, you know, misogyny racism all that bullshit um we do not uh we are not the talk show that's going to clamp down on unpopular statements or confrontational opinions right it's important to us that this talk show is a forum a respectful and reputable forum yeah but a forum for people to disagree a forum for people to hash out uh issues their perspectives to develop opinions on things that are informed opinions and and, and i don't think that unless you're having good um you know multi-perspective conversations that that's going to happen sure. and so we probably spent more time on this than we intended to yeah but i love this conversation was it was it who was it was it christopher i apologize so, whoever it was that was calling me to the carpet 20 minutes yeah, ago christopher I think. I think it was whoever it was um you know i would say to them like you remember the david parker interview uh you know remember the daniel smith interview interviews uh, sure uh, you know people people say well jesperson's lobbing softballs to them um I'm not sure about that, you know, but people, this is a show where, where everyone's getting softballs. You, you can't convince me of that. There's also just interview style, mm -hmm. right? There's interview style, which differs from person to person. I interview people differently than Bill O'Reilly did, of people, which yeah. is like banging on the table and pointing in their yeah. face. Um, but uh, again, like we said, we want your, we invite, we, we desire, we request, we demand your participation <laughs> in the show yeah. and we sure appreciate it. And I don't mute anyone. The only thing I don't like is insults. And, and that's, I don't care if people swear in the chat. I just don't want people saying, you know, get the fuck out of here for your opinion. Let people say their opinions. Like Justin's right here who says, why are we harping on Tucker for interviewing Putin? That is a good thing. Justin, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is a bad thing is him preemptively putting up a video saying that the left-wing media is trying to silence Putin because all those media sources have reached out to Putin and he won't but, talk to but him. But Tucker is doing what Tucker's doing. You don't get 30 or 40 yeah. million followers by... Tip so as my buddy Law says, by tiptoeing in the tulips, yeah. he knows what he needs to do exactly. to build a big audience. I like this from, from Chris in our chat who says I disagree with the idea that asking somebody questions is equivalent to platforming or legitimizing that person or their views. If nothing else, it helps you know your enemy. Uh, let, let's use the Tucker Carlson and Putin example. Um, that interview, uh, mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing in my mind that he's talking to him. No, but 
Let's see what the how the interview goes. Let's see what the questions sound like. Yeah. Let's see what the pushback looks like. We invite the same uh, when you watch or listen to our interviews. Like, you know, if you feel like, uh, you know, an interview just didn't deliver, if you felt like, you know, somebody comes on here, we don't even ask them about the thing that they need to answer for, then you let us know. I mean, that's obviously, you know, we put our necks out there and say the show's going to be real talk. And if it's not, then we should be called to the carpet. A hundred percent. And I just, I just think I know what this interview is going to be about, but it's the other thing is, you know, Tucker knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy, but this is a touchy subject. Like people have been dying for two years. So whatever he's going to ask him, I'm sure will be calculated. But what I don't like is in putting out misinformation as if every news authority in the world has not asked Putin for an interview and he doesn't want to talk to them, but he'll talk to Tucker because his team knows exactly what Tucker is going to do. He's going to boost whatever whatever agenda that putin has and we've already heard <laughs> a lot of lies coming out of russia and I, hey i'm not over there i don't know what's exactly going on in the ground on the ground in russia and ukraine but i do see this stuff coming out of the kremlin and it's not a lot of it is is just is bullshit yeah um this is uh, i love this people in the chat are trying to figure out like you know for example kimberly sees a double standard here and kimberly this is fair criticism you know she says i want to tell people to fuck their hat in the chat but johnny won't let me <laughs> and then watch my stuff as well if it's in jest wa- yeah watch yeah, of course and 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 watch my every time i'm dropping f-bombs i'm picturing my parents because i know they're what they're just cringing yeah. they're cringing they didn't raise me to talk like this um i love you guys uh watch my stuff says is pound sand okay pound sand is definitely okay how about this uh lauren and i don't know if lauren is trying to trigger me or not in the chat but says would you have the my pillow guy on the show he says you could call it pillow talk um i don't know if lauren remembers this knows this or doesn't um everybody's you know we're talking about mike lindell who's the founding ceo of my pillow uh my mike lindell has had a long history he's on the streets he was uh, addicted to drugs i mean his life was you know obviously spiraling in in, in the very wrong direction and then he found god and um started this company and it turned it into like a a multi 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 million dollar pillow company and then ultimately has established himself as like the biggest fan of of donald trump maybe aside from conrad black uh but like the biggest fan of trump and obviously now he's being sued successfully for like all for everything for his entire fortune uh for implying that those dominion voting machines and everything else is fraud and that the election results the biden result uh was was uh, you know defrauding the american people and all this kind of stuff and and mike lindell is like in a world of hurt right now but he he has his own show. He does his own show. It's very fascinating. He kind of talks. Have you ever heard Mike Lindell? Are you familiar with Mike Lindell? Oh, yeah. Like he he talks like Chris Farley, the the van down by the river. You know, yeah. he, he's like everybody. You know, telling Donald Trump that he's he's just like this real character. <laughs> Well, the reason why I'm feeling a little bit triggered, and I don't know if Lauren knows this, but I, I used to endorse my pillow uh, back in the day when I was working in terrestrial yeah. radio. Did you know this? Oh, of course. I we heard had, the ads had, all the time. We had, pro- we had promo I remember codes. texting you and being like, is it really You're as like, good are, as you make are it Are the sound? pillows really as good as you? And, uh, and, and when I started, when I, when I started this contract, and, and by the way, this is just, I'm just having fun with this. I'm just taking you behind the curtain. Um, it, we had, you know, a specific promo code. I, was it Jespo or was, I don't remember what it was. We don't Something, say the radio, yeah. we don't say the radio station's name anymore. It might've been. And, uh, and um, we were the top selling, the highest producing 
promo code in Canada. So you could look to me and say, you, you could point to my face and say, you sold more pillows uh, for the biggest lunatic in the United States than anybody else. You are part of the problem. Well, well everything was, was relatively normal at the beginning, right? When I started doing it, Donald Trump wasn't, Donald Trump wasn't even the Republican nominee for president. Mike Lindell was a character. He was a caricature, uh, but, but it wasn't like problematic Mm. um and so we're selling all these pillows and to be honest with you the revenue is pretty great for our family uh and by the way johnny they used to just send me as many pillows as i wanted so all my friends are getting pillows for their birthdays and for christmas and Mm -hmm. everybody's loving them and then stuff starts to go off the rails and then things start to get really crazy and then donald trump becomes the president of the united states and then all the other stuff starts to happen and people are going so what's your plan like, what's your plan with all of this? And ultimately, the decision was an easy one. I could pretend like it was difficult, but I knew that reputationally and for my own credibility, I had to drop the endorsement. Right? But you also, you didn't agree with some of the stuff so he I was did. saying. So. Well, and, 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 and when you tune into Real Talk, when you subscribe to Real Talk and we're talking about our partners and the companies that we're doing business with, we are giving you, like I'm doing it in my voice, looking into this camera, into this microphone. Well, I'm giving you my personal endorsement of these companies. I'm telling you, in many circumstances, we've dealt with these companies. We do business with these companies. We know these entrepreneurs personally and we recommend them and i just couldn't do it in good faith and so sharon, sharon Warren so, says ryan i bought mine because of your endorsement yeah, okay so sharon like and i don't want i'm not trying to sell more pillows because we there's nothing in it for us but like to be honest with you real talk they're really good they're really good pillows i wouldn't have endorsed them if they weren't they're just like if yeah. you in good conscience can can spend your money to essentially support mike lindell at vis-a-vis donald trump then go ahead but like they're they're great pillows. But my <laughs> wife, I come, I come home one day, and, and this is a true story, and I come home, and you know we have kind of like a back patio on our house, and oftentimes that's where like yeah. the recycling goes. It's like a subtle message saying, please take this to the back. Sure. Um, and I come home, and there's just a stack. There's like a pile of pillows. There's like a, <laughs> like a pile. To of be them. thrown out, or yeah. they've been and I, and delivered? I'm like, no, no, not delivered. And I'm like, uh, and I walk in, and I'm like, what's the deal? Because like they're great pillows. I'm like, what's the deal? She's like, I'm not having those fucking pillows in this house. Oh! She's like, I will not have those pillows in this house. And so Carrie drew the line. And so the pillows are no longer in the house. Uh, the question that prompted all of this from Lauren, would I interview Mike Lindell from my pillow? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? That would be one of the most entertaining interviews mm-hmm. of all time, right? Uh, and we'd have some fun with it, of course, because the guy's just such a character. I mean, he appears on Saturday night. He, he was on Jimmy Kimmel a while ago sure. making fun of himself. Uh, so he is that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it would require, and you, our audience, our incredible audience, would expect and demand meaningful questions about his support of Donald Trump, about his allegations that the, you know, the, uh, the most recent presidential election, you know, two and a half, three years ago was cooked, uh, that, uh, you know, that all of the, uh, you know, this is his take on January 6th and storming the Capitol and everything else. Obviously, we would cover that. And if we didn't, then you know what? We don't deserve your support on this show. Mm-hmm. So that's where I stand on that. Um, that's I, that's funny. Me and the wife recently had a disagreement because I <laughs> we were like, I was like, did you see who went to Tucker Carlson? It was I'm not going to say who it is, but one of our favorite businesses, one of the places we frequent yeah. at least three, four times a month. And she's like, oh, but I love their products. So yeah. it's like yeah. we were like deciding should we go or not? And, and like we we still go there. We went there this week. Right. So yeah. it's like. 
Sharon, how about this? Sharon on the live chat says she doesn't use the pillows anymore. Um, Tony says they're actually crappy pillows. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Lauren wonders, what about condoms? Lauren, where are you trying to take the conversation? What? I will say, you, do you want to know an endorsement we said no to? We don't typically have these conversations. This is fun. If you've listened to this point of the pod, you deserve some of the fun insider. And hey, if, you're, if you're enjoying this, by the way, hit like on YouTube for us. Um, we said no to a manscaping product and, and, and looking Ooh. back and I'm not quite sure, but I just didn't know if I wanted to, I'm, I'm just going to say it earmuffs kids. I didn't know if I wanted to talk to our audience about grooming pubes every day. <laughs> you know, I just didn't, I just didn't know if that was, you know, every morning before yeah, real time, you know, I get in the shower and keep it clean. My... And I'm not sure if the audience needs the visual, although I apologize. You probably have it right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, we do say no. We definitely do say no to, we to do. some interviews. Yeah. Watch my stuff. Says Lindell's just another grifter. The pillows are pillows. The, uh, he says their Egyptian cotton sheets have almost no Egyptian cotton in them. We've talked too much about my pillow. Um, too I'm not afraid eyes. to hit this one between the eyes. Brent wonders. Do I agree with everything uh, the Friesen brothers say? Um, you know, some of our uh, some of our. Uh, Sponsors, some of our partners are, are politically engaged and public about it, uh, and some of them are not. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, I agree with a lot of our sponsors on some things, and I disagree with a lot of our sponsors on some things, but that's irrelevant. Um, I'm not sure about you and your friend circle or people you invite to your house, people you hang out with, people you grew up with, people you vacation with, play golf with, play bridge with, go curling with go swimming with sit around campfire circles with if your prerequisite is that you all agree on everything i feel sorry for your circle um i have friends that join us on a regular basis on the show uh with whom i uh, vehemently disagree politically um and i have friends in my personal life that i think are absolutely out to lunch on some issues and guess what they think the same thing about me and those <laughs> yeah. friendships are some of those edifying relationships that i have because we know each other well enough to say that and to talk to each other and and to to thoroughly uh and, and a lot of times very in a very entertaining fashion debate issues that are either important or not important at all and, and that to me is one of the best things about friendship watch my stuff on the chat says i agree with how Friesen makes a sandwich oh how can you disagree <laughs> i will say this you can you can you can feel how you want um, about political parties and, and about policy uh, but if you want to come at us about how the Friesen brothers make a sourdough sandwich Ooh. you can pound sand <laughs> there it is <laughs> all right and you know what? That goes for all of our sponsors. Uh, I'm trying to pick one right now that's not going to mind being dragged into a red-hot debate right now. I know that's the team at California Closets. We go to the wall for these guys. And let them go to your wall, John. If you're looking for a new entertainment center, you like how I did that there, right there, right there. You need that TV kind of hidden. You know, you, you don't want to have like your, your your CDs and your DVDs out. Does anybody have CDs anymore? Did you keep any CDs and records? Everybody's going no. digital now. My wife has three booklets full. There you go. Sometimes it's hard to say no. It's, it's hard to get rid of stuff we love, which is why clutter happens, which is why you need California Closets. Uh, go to their website, californiaclosets.ca, to learn more about getting the design process started. It's a free consultation. You've got absolutely nothing to use. And I'll tell you, based on personal experience, uh, when they visit your home, they come in, they're going to have ideas you didn't even think of on how you can create a custom storage solution wherever it is, uh, from the guest bedroom, uh, maybe it's that walk-in closet you've always wanted. It could be the garage. You're going to want to trust California Closets.
Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy are sounding the alarm. They want you to know that uh, even if you're listening to this the day that we're recording it, that's February 7th, you have less than two weeks before that Canada Greener Homes Grant expires. Why? Because so many Canadians have taken advantage of it. The government's running out of funding for the program, but it's still in place for like, you know, a week and a bit. Uh, this is a $40,000 interest-free loan to get solar up on your roof. Uh, you can pay it back over a number of years. Kubi has all the details. Plus, they'll fill out the application for you so you don't even have to worry about it. Check out the blog link at kubienergy.ca to learn more and get that free quote for solar today. If you're looking at outdoor improvements to your home that are more along the landscaping side, I want to put Eden Landscaping on your radar. You know, things are changing with climate, with environment, and that means that intuitive landscape design needs to evolve as well. It's why you need to go with an experienced landscape artist like Eden Landscaping. They've been bringing outdoor spaces to life for more than 20 years, and there's a winter planning advantage. If you want shovels in the ground, this spring, make sure you secure your spot early uh, to ensure a timely and efficient transformation of your landscape. You can work with Eden, starting with a visit to their website at landscapeedmonton.ca. And a shout out to our friends at Complete Care Restoration. We tell you how proud we are to be in this studio. We wouldn't be here, or at least it wouldn't look like this, without the team at Complete Care Restoration. Experts for more than 25 years in fire and flood damage restoration, uh, mitigation as well. They're experts in getting rid of black mold. They have technicians trained in dealing with asbestos. This is not the type of stuff you want to mess around with yourself. Plus, they treat your space like it's their space, which means you're getting a personal and diligent approach to your project that you won't find everywhere. You can find Complete Care online at completecarerestoration.ca. And Johnny, before we wrap the show, I just want to put on people's radar this Sunday. Are you being serious about your plans on Sunday? Oh, yeah, I'm just so I, down. Just so I don't get my hopes up, just so I don't get too excited. Well, I'm going to be there. Like, it's Sunday, and it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to be there in, like, track pants and a hoodie and a hat. Are so you going to come? Are you gonna don't sit tell beside everyone to come me, down and hang out. But, like, if no, I do. <laughs> I want all the real kidding. talkers to come tell hang out. And maybe we'll even, I mean, if people come up, you know what we'll do is, like, maybe on Friday's episode of the show, maybe we'll give them, like, a promo code or something. Sure. But if you come up to a and say the promo code at the cabin pub Uh-oh. and party on Jasper Ave. Maybe we buy him a beer. How does that sound? Sounds We're like I'm going to be buzzed. real talkers to pass. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. What, I'll, I'll buy the beers. You're, you're off the hook on this yes. one. It's the cabin pub and party on Jasper Avenue this Sunday. That's February 11th, of course. Niners Chiefs, and I'm so excited to be returning as host of their Cabin Bowl. This is the big game party. It's going to sell out. It sold out last year. It's going to happen again. $30 gets you in the door. Guaranteed seating, which is awesome. And all-you-can-eat tailgate buffet. They had these pulled pork sliders last year that were blowing my mind. I had to cut myself off from the buffet. A prepaid pint of Moosehead, a commemorative t-shirt. You get a free t-shirt, plus you're entered to win all the prizes. Prizes at the end of every quarter, including a $1,000 cash prize at the end of the game. No strings attached. It's literally a 1000 bucks in an envelope. It's the Cabin Bowl at the Cabin. You can book your tickets today by checking out the Cabin Yay or just check out the show notes of this episode. Go Taylor's boyfriend. 
Go Taylor's boyfriend. I saw someone in the chat asking what our Alberta Views discount code is. It oh, is yeah. AVRJ. Nice work, Johnny. Yeah, if you go to, uh, I love that somebody asked that in the chat. You go to albertaviews.ca uh, and the promo code AVRJ knocks. Uh, what is it? Fifty percent off. It's fifty yeah. percent off a this year's person... subscription. So let me just—it twenty bucks. What's the last subscription you got that cost you twenty dollars annually for ten issues of a magazine delivered to your door? I think that's bonkers. I don't know. It must have been back in the nineties. But uh, this exactly. this person looking for a gift uh, for the friend's birthday. So that's a perfect gift idea. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's episode, how, how can I do this without uh, blowing the surprise? Um, Don't do it. Well, you better you better roll the the tunes. Put the background music underneath me because I I can't do this for more than thirty seconds, uh, folks. Tomorrow we're going to be speaking with who I believe will be the second candidate to enter their name into the NDP leadership race. They've got experience uh, in the private public sector, some political experience as well, and uh, I think they're probably going to be perceived as a front runner. They're going to make their announcement right here on the show. Live at 8.30 Mountain. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me. Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.